Hello and welcome to Everyday Medicine. I'm Dr. Luke and I'd like to thank you for joining me on this podcast series where we share conversations with colleagues, exploring their special interests in medicine and bringing insights, ideas and advice, which I hope will be applicable for our medical practice. In this podcast, we're talking with an expert about acid-base balance. Well, acid-base theory is often considered a difficult subject. As long ago as 1962, Chris et al. wrote in The Lancet, There is a bewildering variety of pseudoscientific jargon in medical writing on this subject. Well, my suspicion is that some degree of confusion and thus avoidance of the subject continues to this day. Hopefully this podcast conversation will resonate with some of our listeners and smooth out any misunderstandings should they exist. As a background, Bronsted and Larry's definition of acids and bases are as follows. A base is a substance that accepts a proton, which is a hydrogen ion. An acid is a compound that dissociates in water to release a proton. A strong acid is one that readily dissociates in water to release a proton, such as hydrochloric acid. A weak acid is one that doesn't readily dissociate in water, such as uric acid. pH is the negative logarithm of the hydrogen ion concentration to the base 10. So, for example, the negative logarithm of 0.0000001, which may be expressed as 10 to the power of minus 7, is 7. So the reason blood and cellular pH is so important, the reason we make such a fuss about it, is that its stability is essential to the integrity of enzymes, metabolic processes, and cell membrane potential. Homeostasis holds our blood pH tightly between 7.35 and 7.5, with an intracellular pH of 6.8. Most of the acid buffering is accounted for by carbonate in the plasma and intracellularly. Proteins and hemoglobin also play a role, as do phosphates intracellularly. So where does all this acid come from? Well, acid production results from the production of carbon dioxide by metabolism of glucose, fatty acids, and amino acids. Carbon dioxide combines with water and is converted to carbonic acid, H2CO3, bicarbonic anhydrase, and then dissociates to the protein, hydrogen plus, and bicarbonate. And that enzyme, carbonic anhydrase, pops up everywhere. Well, acid production also results from anaerobic glucose metabolism, where glucose is converted to hydrogen plus and lactate, and in ketogenesis, as well as from the catabolism of the amino acids methionine and cysteine. Well, which organs play a major role in maintenance of pH? Both the lungs and kidneys play critical roles in acid-base balance, we exhale carbon dioxide from the lungs, effectively blowing off acid, but may also retain CO2 by underventilation. The kidneys have the potential to excrete or absorb bicarbonate and to excrete or reabsorb protons, hydrogen ions, influencing and compensating for pH disturbance through an intricate juggling of these two. The excretion of protons is by combination with ammonia from the metabolism of glutamine or in combination with monohydrogen phosphate. Well, these ingenious biological systems may be influenced by multiple disease processes and respiratory forms of acidosis and alkalosis, as well as metabolic processes leading to acidosis and alkalosis are well recognised. Such events as depression of the respiratory system, pulmonary disease, vomiting, losing acid, diarrhoea, losing the base bicarbonate, lactate production from ischemic events, sepsis and major imbalances resulting from diseases of the lung and kidneys all play into a host of disturbances and sometimes intriguing clinical acid-based pictures. 
So whilst arterial blood gas assessment is used in critical care units to determine the degree of oxygenation, adequacy of ventilation and the presence and severity of acid-based disturbances in the body, arterial puncture may result in complications and the difficulty in acquiring arterial blood may delay care. So venous blood gases, VBG, is a more accessible alternative to the arterial blood gas sampling and correlates pretty well with arterial sampling, at least in pH measurement, but slightly lower in venous samples, and bicarbonate, which is about 1.41 millimoles higher in venous samples. PCO2 is approximately 5.6 millimetres of mercury higher in venous blood. Well, these differences may be exaggerated, of course, in circulatory failure. In this podcast with ICU physician, Associate Professor Adrian Wrigley, we will explore the subject further, delve into some of the typical metabolic and respiratory disturbances we're likely to encounter as clinicians, and also review some handy rules of thumb to draw upon in practical acid-base interpretation. The show notes include some of Adrian's slides that he's kindly provided for perusal. They are an excellent resource. I must note that I first met Adrian on the Cocos Islands, where he was expanding his already accomplished kiteboarding skills on that island's amazing flooded caldera, which is now an eight kilometre wide lagoon. I found Adrian thoughtful and considered, as well as incredibly generous of spirit, and knew he would be an excellent guest for this series. Currently, he works as an ICU consultant at Fiona Stanley Hospital, Perth, and you'll find him there when he's not out in the water or being a playful dad. Uh, please welcome Adrian to the podcast. Associate Professor Adrian Wrigley from Western Australia. Welcome to Everyday Medicine. Thank you for joining me, Adrian. It's been very, very nice. One to meet you. One to meet you. Uh, in all your glory on the Cocos Islands, where you were a great exponent of the kiteboarding craft. And now, of course, we're going to talk about acid-based balance, and uh, I'm going to pick your brains on a subject that um, is often very confused, I think, and confusingly taught. And so I'm very excited to be uh, to be inviting you and chatting with you, Adrian. Before we get off to this, can I ask you a little bit about your journey into medicine? I, you know, I know you're now an Aussie, but where have you come from, Adrian? Tell us a little bit about your, your path yeah. here. Well, I grew up in Switzerland. Um, my mum is English. Um, I first um, did a laboratory technician as, a, as, a, as an apprenticeship, um, and I liked that well. Um, the superiors there were all academics, so I, if I, I sort of saw that if you want to climb the ladder, you need to study. So I, um, I, I went and um, studied in Switzerland. It's a bit more complicated because um, there's not a real, there's three different types of high school and I did the middle tier um, system. So I had to do like um, evening classes to get into, to, to, to make up the, the, the first tier high school. So I did that. Um, took me another three and a half years working and in evening classes to get um, to the like a prep course and then i studied medicine i wanted to do research um but then i ended up doing intensive care <laughs> why did you choose intensive care uh you love the physiology love of you know the complex uh, critical care patients all the physiological problems that you have to deal with is that what sort of threw you in there yeah, I, I guess I had a, a great mentor at one of the um, placements um, and I just like the different machines and the complexity of uh, the diseases and the, yes, the physiology, 
Mm. Um, I guess a lot of emotions um, that come with it. Um, yeah, I still like it, yes. It's a tough career, Adrian, because you're dealing with people who are very unwell and you know, families that require a lot of counselling. How, how do you manage that? Is that how you go out wing foiling? You go out there surfing? <laughs> this is how you break it down? Uh, yes, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, kite surfing is definitely um, um, important for me. Um, I mean, I, I quite, in, and I know it sounds, it may be stupid, but I, I enjoy that component of having um, contact um, to the family and and being able to support um, them. It it also takes off a little bit of the pressure being an intensive care doctor because. Patients come crook already to you and you can either fix them or you can't fix them. But, um, but, but um, I've also done anesthesia before um, and it's, it's somewhat more challenging if you know that somebody was fit and healthy and, and you, you, know, you, you provide anesthesia and things can go wrong and you just, you know, you want to deliver them back again, healthy and, and normal again. Um, so, so that you, in intensive care, you don't have that challenge, I guess. Uh, you always just try and do your best. But uh, but um, the patients who are very, very sick, you're very pleased if they get better. If they don't get better, um, you know, that's part of the um, part of nature, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, it could be a national role closer at times, I'm sure. And, and you know, I'm going to now ask you a little bit about a subject that is, I think, you know, as I said at the start, like it's a bit confused in the way it's taught sometimes. I, I don't quite know why it's so hard to understand it. Uh, I've done a little bit of reading around the subject and I, I find it fascinating, acid-based balance. It's just another one of the body's amazing homeostatic mechanisms. And, uh, you know, I'm just so full of kind of awe when I read about biochemistry and how the body manages all the various uh, chemical systems at play. Uh, here's another one, acid-based balance. Um, can you tell us a little bit about it? What, why is acid-base balance important? Yeah, um, the acid-base balance is mainly important uh, so that the proteins and the enzymes function at their best. Um, when we think about it, our you know we know that our pH in our body system has got a pH of seven point four, and that's extracellular. All our proteins over the time of evolution are optimized to that pH. So they function best means as well that like, and, and you, you know, we can think of them as little machines and they, they spit things in and spit things out. And, and, you know, just the speed of action, um, what they can produce is just best at the pH of 7.4. And that has got obviously lots of bodily implications. Um, probably the main one would be, if the pH starts to, and especially in acidosis, so the pH goes down, then your mainly your cardiac function um, doesn't um, doesn't do well. But that's probably the one that we see most in intensive care, and all that we are most afraid of. So, um, and then you can sort of think of that the body has um, counter mechanisms to a low blood pressure. So if you've got a septic shock, and the blood pressure is low, then you know, you would you would spit out some adrenaline, um, some catecholamines, um, and if the pH is low, the catecholamines don't b- 
bind as well to the receptors or and the muscle function doesn't do as well um, um, and so therefore you know your your heart doesn't contract as well um, and then you resulting in a low blood pressure um, so there's very tight regulation to maintain the integrity of enzymes the integrity of the membrane and the the pumps across the membrane that that, that, that uh, um, are required to maintain electrical potentials and all that sort of stuff very tightly regulated uh, what are the key things that we need to know about it? T tell us about the key sort of concepts that we need to be uh, really solid with. Um, it, it's something that is, um, I mean, I, th I think it's important to have a, a sort of a good rule to to try and guide yourself through um, because, as you know, the, there's a metabolic component as well as a respiratory component um, that will govern what the end result of our um, our pH is going to be and in addition your body has got mechanisms to try and um, counteract and help um, um, uh, the system to try and get it back to 7.4 and they're called buffers um, um, but but of course in everyday life maybe as a doctor you you know you you want to be sound in interpretation and and I'm go I mean, you know, I'm I'm hopefully we'll be able to present. Um, um, I ho I mean, I'm going to present a method that is coming from um, having read and dealt with many exams, um, and and this is I think the most easiest way of interpreting um, the acid base um, acid bases. So, so that's what uh, my aim is to to present today. Let's start, Adrian. Take me through. Okay. Well, um, so I guess before we go to the rules of interpretation, I probably will talk a bit more about the basic definitions. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Okay. So look, I, I mean, I mean, at first I think we need to probably go back again and, and think about what is an acid. Um, yes. and, and I mean, we all probably know, okay, an acid is there, but an acid is a, a proton donor. Okay. Yes. So the proton, as you know, is that 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 um, not quite molecule, but um, is an H um, and is lacking um, the electron, and so therefore it's just got only that that little positive yes, one H plus. Yes. Yeah, H plus. So so I think that um, so that's probably the way of of thinking as an acid, um, and 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 so I guess if you put as an acid example would be the carbon dioxide. Um, you throw that into the water, and then that does dissolves immediately and becomes carbonic acid, which is an H2CO3, and then that dissolves again again into H plus um, and the and the bicarbonate. So therefore you've already got that 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 acid there. And as you know, the pH is then um, just I mean then you measure how much H pluses you've got. Yes. Um, and then you make it extra complicated by making a negative logarithm of that. Um, so, so the more H pluses you've got, the lower the pH is going to be. So, yes. um, so pH is the negative logarithm of the hydrogen concentration of base 10. But I think it's big, they have that because it's such small quantities of, of hydrogen that we're measuring, like it's 0.00000, whatever. So yeah. that, but it is, that, that does become confusing, as does that um, uh, Henderson-Hasselbalch equation, which I don't know. <laughs> Yes. I think I understand it, but I only just if that. Yes, I, I mean, I guess I'm I'm a I'm a very simple person. I always yeah. try and 
make it simple for me and i hope i'll i'll just pass on what yes. i think is important yes, and, yes um, neglect everything else that is yes. um, and i'm probably like you i probably still haven't fully understood it but if you sort of just think of the um, henderson hasselbach um, equation um it, it's probably easier to first talk about the henderson equation i don't know if you've come across that yes is that is that uh, water dissociating to um no it's just um again just looking at the h pluses yeah okay. on one side of the equation and that is then equal a constant times the carbon dioxide divided by the bicarbonate okay yes and so that henderson equation is much more how we probably think of you know the um acid base status in and 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 how it is influenced by the body so so let's let's say the henderson hasselbach equation so on the top you've got the co2 yes. so the more co2 you've got you know the more pluses you've got so again the carbon dioxide you throw that in water it dissolves and eventually you've got more protons so you're more acid driving to acid yes and then the only add on the on um, below the bar you've got the bicarbonate so the more bicarbonate you've got you know the the less acid it becomes and so it's a balance between these two so between what the lung does and what the kidneys does so i probably should have said you know that as we as you know you know the lungs they they you, you breathe off the co2 the co2 um and the kidneys um produce then the bicarbonate get rid of the acid so and that is then the balance and that balance and then and then to make it complicated you just make a henderson hasselbalch equation where you say okay the ph is there and instead of a constant it's the pka plus a logarithm of um again the same more or less the bicarbonate now you've inversed it so the bicarbonate over um um, um uh, co2 co2 so uh, it's 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 sort of historical um when i've read about it it um, the explanation was why it's complicated is because the, for the chemist i think everything else is used in 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 negative logarithms so um but yes. from, from a physiological point of view the henderson equation or is more uh, um easier to to grasp yes, yes. gotcha okay so we've got these two like important kind of chemicals to think about we've got co2 which is a weak dissociates to a weak acid, donates protons, and you get bicarbonate. And we've got the bicarbonate, which is also being produced in the kidneys predominantly. I think it's also some produced by the pancreas. I'm not sure how important that is in relation to buffering. Probably not important, I'm guessing. Uh, but that's the other, the buffer of the acid. So, and most of our body's water, so it's 60% water, which is effectively a huge proton sink as well. So let's say a bit of metabolism starts happening, Adrian, or do you want to, do you want to follow no, through? I mean, I think and you put a point there, you know, the buffers. So one of them is a buffer. Um, I think we need to be careful about what is a buffer and what is um, influencing um, our, our pH um, as or how does the body regulate it. Um, but the the main ones are you know buffers. Um, yes. You know, the bicarbonate buffer is probably the most um, important um, buffer, um, which is more extracellular. Um, and there is it, it, that is governed by the Henderson Hasselbach equation. Um, right. But then you've also got others. So the protein buffer, which we yes. really bothers to talk about, is the hemoglobin and the albumin. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. So intracellular is the main one, is the um, the phosphate. But uh, yes, but, but the Henderson and Haselbach is is what we um, is is probably the most easiest one to in everyday life to try and um, understand which are the processes. So that is probably where where that is sort of neat and easy to use. Um, how, how important is the phosphate? I'm just going to just take you on a sidetrack for a second. Um, iron infusions are sometimes associated with hypophosphatemia. How, how important is that? Easy, I think it is important, but um, I think it's very important to the body, but, but it doesn't result in any diseases or it doesn't result in anything that we can influence. And so for a, as a doctor, it, it is irrelevant in that sense. I thought, mm. um, mm. Sideshow. Right. Yeah. Um, we'll probably get lots of hate mail for saying that. Yes. <laughs> probably but but to to for everyday practice um it, we it's not influenceable and we can't measure it and so therefore um we just concentrate on the um, the two components the bicarbonate and the and the co2 okay. and Adrian, when we have when we have um you know metabolism of fatty acids and um and of glucose and of amino acids we're getting eventually uh we're getting proton production from that if we have anaerobic uh, metabolism, we're getting glucose via the glycolytic pathway, lactate, we're getting protons from that. If we get ketone body production, we're getting protons from that. Like all the forms of metabolism are sort of spitting out protons, aren't they? If we have uh, methane and it's cysteine, if these are being metabolized, we get protons. So there's a lot of proton development happening all the time. There has to be a lot of acid that has mm. to be buffered all the time. Yeah. And we've got these two big buffers or two, two big controlling centers. We've got the lungs, which controls CO2 uh, expiration down that diffusion gradient from the uh, from the high amount of CO2 that's in the blood, being carried by red blood cells, I think, right out, which is 50 millimetres of mercury, is it roughly the CO2 in the blood, to about 0.3 millimetres of mercury or so in atmosphere. So we've got a diffusion gradient taking CO2 out through the lungs, and we've got the kidneys uh, managing things with, with bicarbonate and some other interesting ways, which we're probably going to come to in a moment. Um, how do you approach all this, you know, clinically? If you were to think about the situation where you've got a respiratory acidosis, can you run through that respiratory acidosis, alkalosis, metabolic acidosis, metabolic alkalosis? What are the sort of things that we're looking at with those sorts of considerations? Yeah, so I, I guess, it, I mean, if you're okay with that, I, I would probably, I was just posing as sort of a good, you know, rule of thumb how to go through. Yes, yeah, go, go with the rule of thumb first. Okay, so, yeah. or, or just an easy approach. So I think yeah. the first is is to look at the pH. I mean, so that's what I just try and teach yeah. everybody. I mean, like you will look probably, and most doctors will eventually just look at an, an, an ABG and just probably interpret it very fast and easy. But I think if you're not quite sure, it's sometimes nice to do it in little steps. Yes. And, and the first is to look at the pH. And that is, um, you know, you decide if it is acid or, or obviously um, 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 alkalotic. Um, and, and you talk about an acidemia or an alkalemia. Um, and that, and wh why is that important is because most often it points towards the dominant process. And okay. I think that was, you know, that, you know, and of course, if you if you think about it, it's like, oh yeah, true. Um, it, it, but but it took me ages to to have that black and white written there. Um, and then you sort of look at either bicarbonate or you look at the um, carbon dioxide, and then again interpret is it is it high, low, or normal? Okay. Um, and 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 from from the rule, it is just 
and and you know you know as well that the pH is you know between seven point three five and seven point four five. But for the interpretation, it's just easy to learn seven point four CO two. Yes. I know you know the range as well. It's thirty five to forty five. But yes. just for the rule, go with forty. And then bicarbonate, you know as well that the you know there's a range between twenty two and twenty nine. But again, just for the easiness, twenty five. So you've got pH seven point four, CO two forty, bicarbonate twenty five. And you just say, is it normal, abnormal? And then you can sort of work your way through. And then you look at the CO2. So CO2, as we said, that's the lung. That's the respiratory component. So if it is high, like the CO2 is high, then you know that's an acidosis because we talked about throwing the CO2 in water, dissolving in um, protons and, and bicarbonate. So you've got too many protons, so it's acid. Um, so that's a respiratory acidosis. And the opposite, if the CO2 is obviously low, then you've got a respiratory alkalosis, quite simple. And the bicarbonate, the same. So if bicarbonate is more than 25, you will just say that's a process called a metabolic um, alkalosis. And if the bicarbonate is low, lower than 25, you will call that a metabolic acidosis and i think that is just and when we say a metabolic acidosis or respiratory acidosis or alkalosis mm -hmm. it's just a process that's just yeah. something going on in your body it's not necessarily so you can have a normal ph but you can have a very low co2 and a very high bicarbonate um so so then it just balanced out and you might not pick it up and so therefore yes you've got you know, normal pH, but you still want to know what are the processes going on. Yes. Um, so I think that is, the, and, and then you can, you know, you can work your way through. Um, it's very helpful. Um, and, and I think the only other one that is important, and so why do we do that? Um, so with each process, you can, you've got a differential diagnose, um, and we can maybe talk about those different yes. ones. Sure. But also, I think metabolic acidosis is one of them, that is probably the most important one of all processes that we need to probably understand a bit better. And that we normally try and differentiate between normal onion gap metabolic acidosis and, um, and high onion gap metabolic acidosis. Mm. Have that is, um, so I don't think I completely understand. Only N, I guess, what sodium uh, plus potassium minus. Is it chloride yeah. plus yeah. bicarbonate on the right-hand side of that equation? I, I don't think I really quite understand what's going on there. Okay. So it's, it's yes. It's, so there's two versions. One, and I like, used to do one, I like the simple one, is only sodium and not the – so you took the pluses and then the yeah. minuses. Yeah. So the pluses would be the sodium. And then there's two variants. One is with potassium and one without, but I'd yeah. take the easier one with, uh, without. And okay. you just have to therefore know that the norm value changes. So if you use yes, right one without um, the potassium, um, the norm normal adding up is less than twelve. Okay, so you take the passes. So you can, right, okay. for example, yep. sodiums. Yeah, hundred and four. Yep. Um, you've got the bicarbonate. We say twenty-five, and then you've got the chloride, maybe hundred and five. Okay. Um, so you've got 25 plus 105, you've got 130, and then the sodium was 140. So you take you take 140 minus 130, you've got 10. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So therefore, 
the onion gap is normal. Okay, so that's a normal pH. But they say you've got um, less um, bicarbonate um, with normal chloride. Well, then you're going to increase your onion gap. Okay. And and I guess why are we doing this? Isn't it? It's mm. um, and 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 a clever person, clever consultant, had, had told me once, Adrian, the um, the positive metabolic acidosis they're dangerous and you have to correct them, otherwise the patient will die. The normal metabolic acidosis, the patients do not die, and you just give them bicarbonate. And and although that sounds a bit very simplified, it. It holds true for most of the diseases, and we can talk about the different diseases that you can have. So you're talking about uh, this is an interesting concept, Adrian. So po- po- you're saying a uh, metabolic acidosis with a positive anion gap, you're in a bit of trouble. Yes, big trouble. Yeah, big trouble. Big trouble. Well, Adrian, you need to come off the water up. now, and we need to fix it. Get on top, otherwise, um, we've got a big problem. Thank you for joining me in this discussion with Dr. Adrian Wrigley on acid-base balance in human physiology. Uh, this is a complex subject, and we've decided to present the conversation over two episodes, giving pause and time to think about the, uh, the physiology being discussed. We welcome you back next week, where we will continue this technical discussion with Dr. Adrian Wrigley. Thank you. Uh, during the podcast series, we will be covering a wide range of topics across many specialty interests. The discussions are not intended as specific medical advice for patients, but as general information only, and reflect the opinions of the guests interviewed. Requests for new topics to be reviewed and comments about the conversation you've listened to are welcomed and may be emailed to manager at gihealth.com.au.